Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. We're having a great year. I hope you're joining us regularly. I hope you're inviting friends to join us. I hope you're subscribing. We are not an abundant communication ministry. If you want to know about us, the best way, if you want to know what's new and what's going on, just flip right over to the website. If you don't want to know about us, you're not going to get a million emails that you have to unsubscribe to. You don't. But we hope you'll subscribe because in your subscribing to us, you change the metrics and put us in different categories that are really helpful to modern homemakers. And if you get too many emails, which is two a year, then call me and I'll make some compensation. Thank you for your emails. Please continue to let us know how we're doing. Please tell us how this is working for you. Please tell us if this is not working for you and you wish we'd go to a different format. Hope you're enjoying the interviews. There have been some terrific interviews. You haven't heard them all yet, but I've had some wonderful relationship interviews. I keep calling you back to Shanti Feldhahn on kindness and to Jane Wilson on gratitude. Don't miss them. Skip the others if you only have a few minutes to listen. So we began talking about this thing called friendship and how we choose carefully, make a commitment, and consistently care. And we talked about choosing carefully, and we were talking about what kind of a woman to make a commitment to. And I I wanted to remind you of the importance of female relationships. Female relationships are like none other. And, and I know that there is a very strong teaching that your husband is your best friend. And I, I get that. I certainly get that. The important things of life, the serious decisions in life, I certainly don't make them with my girlfriends. I make them with David. But there are many things in my life as a woman that David is, bless him, he's willing, but he's simply not a good voice to speak to. And he feels awkward when I'm talking about it. It's womanly things. It's girly things. It's clothes and china and recipes and menus and friendships and all the details of the children. You know, David does want to know what's going on with our daughter and son-in-law and our grandchildren, but he doesn't savor every little nuance the way I do. So this relationship, it reminds me of the story, the account of Hannah in 1 Samuel when she's desperately trying to have a baby and she's crying and weeping before the Lord, crying and weeping before the Lord, and she goes to her husband to talk to him about it. His name was Elkanah or Elkanah, and he, she tells him, she tells him what's going on, the sadness of what's going on, and this was his response. Am I not better than ten sons? Excuse me, excuse me, you, you must not have missed, you must not have understood what, I, you must have missed, no, is it possible you just said that? I'm afraid that that might be in one of my fly off the stove moments if my husband had said that to me. You're not getting it at all. You're not even getting what I feel. Well, the truth is, I want to give Elkanah or Elkanah his due credit. He's a man. He does not understand. You can be in a room with 500 women 
and one woman says to you, I've been unable to have a child. The whole room is, the whole room understands it. They, they understand it because they've tried. They've understand because they have a child. They understand it because they have five children. There are certain subjects about a woman and who she is that are best talked to with a woman. So this relationship and this intimacy that you have with another woman fits into this category. And in Anne of Green Gables, who I like so well, I may have to watch those again. I'm not sure I'm going to read it again. But she says, I've, this is a friend she's talking about. I've dreamed of meeting her all my life, a bosom friend, an intimate friend, you know, a really kindred spirit to whom I can confide my inmost soul. Do you have someone like that? Do you have someone like one of my treasured friends who has come to say this to me and about me? Donna, I think you should do colon, she fills it in, period, and she ends, but I know I give you advice and you take it to Lord and you do what's best. When she does that, I feel this sigh of gratefulness. I cannot tell you. I should send her a gratitude letter of thanks because what she says is she's willing to tell me what she thinks. I want to know what she thinks, but she's willing to not hold me hostage if I don't do it because she believes I'm going to ask God and take into consideration all of these pieces. Well, there is a passage in 2 Timothy that I run to when I think about the actual distinctives of a friendship. And this is Paul writing to Timothy, the young son of his heart. It's the last part of his life, and I can tell you that Paul is worn out, weary, and sad. And in verse 15, he says, you are aware that all who are in Asia have turned away from me. Hmm. Here's this learned scholar, follower of Christ, who has written letters to the new churches in that era, encouraging them to follow up to Christ, encouraging them to know Jesus, encouraging them to shuck off the old way of life. And now he's at the end of his life, and he is so grumpy. You're aware that all who are in Asia have turned away from me. And then he's not only grumpy, he gives their names. I love that this is found in the scripture because it shows the reality of this man. And then he says in verse 16, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesephorus. Wait a minute. Paul is saying they all turned away from me, and he gives a list of people who turned away from him. But then he stops and he says, but wait, I want, and he's telling Timothy this because he wants Timothy to follow through with it. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Otto, to the household of Onesephorus, because he often, and this is the four words that he that you will find here in this passage. He often refreshed me. He often refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chains. Paul was in prison. He eagerly searched for me. He eagerly searched for me and found me. This is this wonderful, wonderful acknowledgement of the characteristics. So what are they? He starts out by thanking Timothy, and he tells Timothy he's glad for who he is, and then he gives him real honesty. 
And then he says, he refreshed me. The house of Onesiphorus, he refreshed me. How do you like to be refreshed? When you have been with a friend, do you feel better? Stimulated, encouraged, loved, accepted, ability to give love back? Or when you've been with a friend, do you feel ashamed? Ashamed. I've had friends say to me, I'm having a really bad day today, Donna, so be careful with me. That hurts me, but I recognize that I can often pull off the truth card instead of the kindness card. I want to refresh. And here is Onesephorus, who often refreshed Paul and was not ashamed of his chains. Have you ever been to a prison? Have you ever been to see someone who is in prison? Well, today it's pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, you can get a clearance and then you go and then you find the building and the row and the cell number and they give you a pass and you meet in this room and then you have the visit with the prisoner. That was not true in Paul's day. This is in Rome and the prisons are little caves underneath, hidden all around the city and there was no warden who said, oh, Paul, you'll find him over there. So when he tells Timothy that Onesiphorus often refreshed him and was not ashamed of his chains, he found him literally chained to the concrete walls, to the caves. And then he says when he arrived in <clears throat> when he arrived in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. So this not being ashamed I want to be sure you understand that that's not only physical, that's not only verbal, that's how do you feel about her? Are you always glad to be with her? I'm not talking about you're being a crabby, grumpy day today. I'm just talking about are you secretly ashamed? Do you secretly have an agenda? Do you secretly wish if she would just stop wearing those silly clothes or she would get a hairdo or she would say something kinder or she would stop going to that church or stop or start anything? She should start a diet because she's overweight. That's having an agenda for a friend and having a sense of ashamedness. And then he sought for me and found me. He eagerly sought for me. And I think this really applies to our culture. Are we harder to find? We are harder to find than ever. I honestly think sometimes we're harder to find than Paul was in the cave. Because I have a cell number, right? I have a home number. Sometimes you have a land number. I have a text number. I have an email. I have more than one email. I have a land address. It didn't matter. He kept at it until he found me. And I can remember that I had an acquaintance. She was an acquaintance. Maybe she would have become a friend if she lived close to me, but she didn't and because she moved away. And I can remember when she got ready to leave, she gave me eight numbers. And I remember thinking that's just far too many numbers for me to keep up with you. Adult children, listen to this. When you're talking to your moms and your friends and your families and the people who you're leaving behind, give them the simplest way to find you. And those of you who are interested in staying tight in a friendship, remember that we need to eagerly search and search until we find. Don't give up. I don't know about you. But it's true for me. There have been times when I made a phone call and I was really glad I got the answering machine because I could just leave a message. I didn't have to wait and talk to that person about it. 
I want you to be conscious of the why do you text instead of email, instead of calling, instead of going to visit. Personal contact is really important. Lastly, consistently care. So these three points that we have talked about talked about in Friends of the Heart. Choose carefully, make a commitment, and consistently care. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Peter tells us in Second Peter that we are called to brotherly love, sisterly love. What does that look like? It has a consistency to it. I think Paul's sadness in the passage we read in Timothy is that he had been doing this for a long time, and he was tired, and he was older. He might have had some physical difficulties based on the fact that he had been imprisoned in these horrible conditions. If they didn't bring you food, you didn't eat. People had to come and take care of you, literally. And so here he was, and this calls us to consistently care. Does that mean I pick and choose or I stay with it? I persevere till the end. Romano Guarnde says in his book on Lordship, Jesus never ever suggests that pain will be banished from the world. With customary realism, Jesus looks pain straight in the eye. He never loses courage, never grows tired or disappointed. The sympathetic, all-comprehending heart of Jesus Christ is stronger than pain. That is the heart of which we get in relationship with someone who we care about and we consistently care. Paul tells us to guard what we have been entrusted to, to take care of it, to watch over it. Paul was deserted. They did not consistently care. And I'm calling you to the challenge of choosing carefully, Choosing carefully, absolutely choosing carefully. But more than that, making a commitment to your choice and then consistently caring. Well, little things mean a lot. That sort of states the obvious to a deep best friend this week. I believe in best friends, close friends, new friends. Choices matter, and friendship is a choice that is essential. It can make or break your life. Can you have too many friends? You bet. Can you have so many friends that they're all one inch deep and not four feet deep? I pray that you will, as a course of listening today, make a choice to choose a few people that you will walk through life with. Not only choose them carefully, but choose to stay with them. Choose to Make it a lifelong commitment. Are there choices that you make when you say, I'm going to be your best friend or your close friend? I'm going to walk with you until, yes. Does the road get rough sometimes? Yes. One of my dearest friends and I had a falling out. I want to know, I want you to know that I don't remember what the falling out was about. She laughs about that now because she says, yeah, you wouldn't remember. (laughs) But I didn't. But I felt sorrowful. And I was repentant, and she forgave me. Do you know the best thing that happened with that? Not only, mm, I can't say the best thing. The best thing that happened is that our friendship, while sidewalked for a short time, got back on trap. But you know the best thing that happened? Out of that were people in our friendship circle 
who saw us get cattywampus with each other, who saw that we were not seeing each other for a, per- a period of life, that we had taken a break, as they say, and then saw us unite and become the dearest even closer than we had been before. Many of our mutual friends have asked us about it, talked to us about it, called us about it, invited us to talk to them about it. I pray that you will be a witness of that kind of friendship. This is Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto. We're so glad to have been with you. This year's theme, 2019-2020, is friendship. And today I've been talking to you about what it is to be a friend of the heart one that lasts a lifetime. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it an uncommon day of deepening of friendship. <laughs>